Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the V Brown Bag webinar. Um, tonight, we are going to be doing a continuation of our Python for DevOps series, talking with Python developers and learning how to level up our skills. Um, I'm extremely excited tonight to uh, present to you Michael Herman. Um, he's got, a, oh, he's actually given me a sneak preview of his deck, so he's going to be doing a, a presentation about himself. But I've, I've um, been a longtime fan of his, and he's got some really, really good material out there. And tonight, he's going to be talking about Python and my other favorite topic, AWS. So um, it's going to be jam-packed with, uh, with some fun knowledge. Um, but before we get into that, a couple of housekeeping notes. If you want to, get in on the conversation. We will be fielding questions from the live Q&A uh, Q from the live audience, um, but we will also be monitoring the at vbrownbag and hashtag vbrownbag on Twitter. So I will be, and, and Joe Hughes, who is also here, say, say hi to everybody, Joe. hey -o. <laughs> We're going to be fielding your questions and, uh, and, and keeping an eye on the Q&As and watching the tw tweetosphere and coming up with our own dumb questions uh, for, for our very, very bright presenter tonight. Um, so with that, um, we're going we're gonna to kick this off. Mr. Herman, are you there, sir? I am here, yes. Do you prefer Michael or Mike? Uh, let's do Michael. Let's do Michael. All right. So I am Michael, I'm going to give you Zapawa. You are presenter, sir. Cool. All right. So can you see my screen? Yes, sir. I can see your screen. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to jump right in um, here in just a second. But yeah, I guess for those um, that are listening, uh, if you do have questions, um, please you know, send them Chris's way. And then Chris, if you want to um, you know, just uh, interject in whenever. So it'll be, it'll, it'll definitely be better with questions throughout um, rather than afterwards, I think. So um, absolutely you to ask questions. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, AWS Fargate tonight. Uh, so in terms of an agenda, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. I'm going to go over uh, some objectives, so uh, some takeaways that you should um, be able to take away from this uh, talk. Um, dive into a little bit of theory, so talk about uh, what EC2 is, what ECS is, and then what ECS um, on Fargate is. And then we'll um, be jumping into the practical portion of this. So I'm going to go over um, the project overview that we're going to, to um, be working on, show how to set it up locally, talk about some AWS pre prerequisites, um, get into ECR, which is an image registry, and then dive right into um, ECS Fargate. Okay, so a little bit about myself. So again, my name is Michael Herman. Uh, from Denver, Colorado. I'm an engineer, educator, and an entrepreneur. So during the day, I am a full-stack engineer at an agency called Eldarian. Um, I also do quite a bit of DevOps for them as well. And then I also run a company called testdriven.io. Uh, so I'll just pull that up just really quick. So that's an education platform uh, for, say, mid to senior uh, level developers that are sort of looking to level up their skills on microservices and AWS and, and whatnot. So if you already know how to build a CRUD app, um, this would be sort of like the way to level up. Um, so uh, other than that, I'm also an organizer of the uh, Denver Node.js meetup group. I used to be a lead instructor uh, for Galvanize for the uh, full stack uh, JavaScript um, track. I am the co-founder of RealPython, and I also uh, enjoy, I guess, building financial models while listening to Radiohead. So um, <laughs> a little bit about myself. <laughs> 
So, all right, so some objectives. So by the end of this talk or tutorial, you should be able to, um, let me just move the webinar control panel here so I can actually read this, uh, be able to explain the following AWS services and why you may want to use each of them. So EC2, IM, ECR, ECS, and Fargate. And then we'll describe the uh, similarities and differences between EC2, ECS, and Fargate. Explain what container, res container orchestration is and why you may want to use an orchestration tool. And then we'll dive in, then on the, on the uh, practical side of things, we'll spin up a Flask app locally with Docker, utilize the ECR image registry to uh, store our Docker images. So we'll build the Docker images locally and then push them up to um, the ECR container registry. And then finally, we will work with uh, getting the Flask microservice to run on AWS uh, with ECS and Fargate. Okay, wow. so yeah, we will uh, we'll be moving uh, kind of quickly, but um, I did go through this presentation earlier, and it did take me about forty minutes. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> Strap in. Yeah. So EC2 and ECS. So um, EC2, uh, so that stands for Elastic Compute Cloud. So you could that is literally just a virtual machine in the cloud. Uh, AWS likes to call them instances, but um, Really, it's just a virtual machine. So it's great for running a single app or single um, Docker service. And so, you know, that could be, you know, Spring Boot application, Flask application. You could run, you know, Mongo database on there, Redis, Postgres, whatever, whatever you really want to do. Um, it's, again, it's good to stick with a single application, um, especially as your uh, app starts scaling, you're starting to get more traffic. Uh, as soon as you um, you get to a point where you need to start scaling, either vertically or um, horizontally, you probably want to uh, work with more than one EC2 instance. And so you'll probably want to look at one of the another one of the um, AWS services. And so in the Docker world, you're going to want to look at a container orchestration tool. If we jump jump to the management uh, console here, under services, under compute, you can see EC2. Uh, if you're not using Docker and you want to um, um, sort of scale out your application across you know, multiple EC2 instances, you'll probably want, or, or scaling in general, you want to look at probably either Elastic Beanstalk or uh, Lambda. I'm actually not exactly sure what LightSail is, um, but the rest of these are actually ECR, ECS, EKS um, are going to be your container um, type platforms. Uh, but I'm not sure what batches either. I feel like there's, you know, like three or four new services that pop up every single day on this um, <laughs> management console. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to keep up to speed with everything. Um, cool. So going back to the slides here. So um, again, on the Docker side of things, you want to use a container orchestration tool. And so probably the one that um, is most familiar uh, to you all is uh, Kubernetes. And that comes from uh, Google. So what is a container orchestration tool? So again, as you move from a single machine to multiple machines, you need some sort of um, layer there to manage um, what's happening across um, your entire uh, cluster or system. So let's say you have, you know, you deployed a flat class application. Um, you know, it's a front-end type application. It's going to be taking in traffic. So let's say you deploy five different containers across five different um, EC2 instances, you have a load balancer in front of there. How does the load balancer know um, 
you know, which containers are healthy, which ones should it route traffic to. If it's been, you spin up a new container and it doesn't pass a health check, you shouldn't route traffic to that. So that's exactly where a, con a container orchestration tool comes into play. So Kubernetes is, um, is the, the Google, um, the big Google uh, container orchestration tool. On the AWS side, um, ECS is sort of the bread and butter um, container orchestration tool. And um, it's really just a way to run and manage your Docker workloads um, on logical groups of EC2 instances. So ECS is great, I really like it, but it's, um, it's really complex. There's a lot of different moving pieces here. So this is a pretty typical um, application, or, or I'm sorry, infrastructure um, that you'd be doing, that you'd be using with um, ECS. So on the left-hand side here, I'm not sure if you can see my cursor or not as I scroll over. Um, yes, we can see it. Okay. Uh, is it's kind of the, the EC2 side of things. So you have your load balancer, so traffic is going to come in and hit the load balancer, and then the load balancer needs to figure out where to um, direct traffic to. So let's say in this hypothetical scenario, you have a client um, application, then you have a users or authentication application. So you have your main route here, and then you have your um, container here where um, our client application is running. You map um, the route to sort of the container using a target group. And then likewise down here, we have our a ping and users and auth route that's associated with our users uh, Flask application that's running inside this container. So again, we have the target group down here that maps these together. So then on the right-hand side of things, we have our uh, ECS um, infrastructure. So we have a cluster, which is a logical grouping of EC2 instances. Uh, we have a service. I'll talk a little bit about uh, what that is when we jump into the practical portion of this um, talk. And then we have our EC2 instances where our containers are running. Uh, so obviously a lot of moving pieces there. That's kind of where Fargate comes into play. So Fargate um, is a container orchestration tool that's used for running Docker-based containers uh, where you don't have to manage the underlying infrastructure. So what that means is you don't have to manage those underlying EC2 instances. So with ECS, you have essentially two launch types. Uh, you have with EC2 or uh, with Fargate. So when you compare ECS with Fargate, um, when you compare that to ECS with EC2, um, the Fargate flavor is gonna be less complex. It's probably going to be more expensive, though, since um, Amazon or, or Fargate is abstracting out that uh, underlying infrastructure. And you're kind of getting a little bit closer towards a serverless uh, type platform like AWS Lambda or Google Functions or Azure Functions. Um, but you actually don't, you don't have to do like a major refactor to your application. So a serverless type platform platform with Lambda, uh, the abstraction le level is at the function level. So you have a Flask app or a Django application, uh, you have to figure out how you can actually break that up into individual functions and how you can uh, trigger those functions. And so there are platforms that help with that. Um, the serverless platform, Zappa, uh, and then Chalice 
uh, is another one. I think Chalice um, is actually the official one from AWS, but it does require a pretty big refactor to, um, to move a Flask or Django application or whatnot over to AWS Lambda. Mm -hmm. So Fargate does get you a bit closer without having to actually um, do a major refactor. Um, quick question from the audience. Sure. Is is uh, Kubernetes the comp so when comparing these the container orchestrators is Kubernetes more a competitor of ECS or is it more a competitor of Fargate or or is or is that a valid question? Yeah, it's definitely a valid question. I would say it's a competitor of both. Of both. Okay. Think, so yeah, I think on the the GCP side, which is Google Cloud Platform, they have GKE, the Google Kubernetes engine, and. Uh, Someone informed me today that there's something called Google Run, and I haven't looked at it yet. But um, he's not—he wasn't familiar with Fargate, but he made—he um, made an argument that, that that sounded like Google Run is sort of the equivalent to Fargate. Uh, so, yeah, I would say Kubernetes is probably a little bit more like ECS, and um, maybe that Google Run, which is a, a managed platform, is a little bit more similar to Fargate. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. Uh, so yeah, again, compared to Lambda, you have um, more control. It's probably going to be a little bit faster, um, and it'll probably be a, a little bit cheaper. Um, in terms of performance, with AWS Lambda, you have um, you have your cold. You're like you, so you're, you're basically running functions, and so you have cold functions, you have warm functions, you have hot functions. Um, you get build when functions are either hot, so they're running, or they're warm. You don't get build when they're they're cold, but they take a while to spin up uh, when they are cold. So if you have an application that's taking a lot of traffic, you have to figure out the logic around. Okay, yeah, some of this stuff I should probably uh, keep warm. Some of the stuff I could probably spin down and keep cold. That doesn't uh, get, get ran very often. But you have to sort of manage that. Um, that's that sort of logic behind there. So uh, you you can have some performance hits from that. So I'd say some questions that you would you'd want to ask um, in terms of costs. So looking at costs, are you taking the indirect costs like maintenance and upgrades into account? Uh, so are you, um, you know, taking into account like having to uh, upgrade your the um, OS or whatever it is inside your EC2 instances? You probably have to spin those down, spin up new ones. And so you'll need to have some sort of DevOps ops person or sysadmin type person um, doing that, so you're going to do, have, definitely have indirect costs there. Um, and then how much, you want to think about how much control over the environment do you need, and how much flexibility do you need, and are you willing to take on more of those sort of operational costs, sort of those maintenance costs, um, to uh, get a more flexible environment that you have more control over. Uh, so, I definitely really I really like this image here. So this uh, kind of uh, compares the traditional sort of on-prem environments to the different uh, cloud environments and uh, what you have to manage. So you have to manage everything um, on the on-prem side. And you can see as we go from uh, you know on-prem to the uh, software as a service, you have to manage less and less. So. IaaS is infrastructure as a service, so that's um, your EC2 instances, that's DigitalOcean, um, and then that's also like something like Linode. Uh, your platforms as a service, it's like Heroku, it's Elastic Beanstalk, 
um, on the AWS side, that's Google App Engine on the uh, GCP side. Then of course you have the serverless, so that's Lambda, uh, Google Functions, and then you have your software as a service. So ECS, uh, ECS on Fargate lands somewhere in between, in between here. So it's getting you a little bit closer towards that platform as a service you're having to manage a little bit less. Okay, so moving on. So in summary, so some of the, the main advantage that I would say that you get from Fargate is you could possibly have increased velocity with your team. So since the infrastructure is being managed by someone else, you can really focus on your application, writing that, that business valuable code and figuring out how to write uh, the code that you need to differentiate your application from your competitor's application. So focus is solely on your containers or your application. Some of the disadvantages with Fargate though is you have decreased transparency, you have less control, it uh, could possibly be more expensive. One that I haven't talked about is vendor lock-in. So the less control you have, the more control that AWS or you know, some, um, some other platform is going to have. So you're more tied to that platform, so it's it's more difficult to move to say a different platform or to your own on-prem environment. So I think that's definitely something that you want to think about as you're uh, scaling your application. Cool, so that is all I have uh, for the theory portion. If there are no questions, I'm going to jump into the um, practical uh, portion of the talk. So I'm gonna um, pause and take a quick drink. Yep, let me uh, scour the internet while you are drinking. Um, do, 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 nothing from the tweets and Q&A is clear. Nope, we're good to go. Cool. Okay, so um, in terms of the practical portion, so the practical portion, uh, we're going to be leveraging um, ECS Fargate and deploy a Flask uh, application. So. Basic RESTful API, uh, it's kind of a CRUD, single um, uh, CRUD resource um, for um, users. You can get all users, get a single user, add a user, update a user, and um, I cut off delete a user uh, here just for the sake of uh, room, so your typical CRUD application. Uh, it's built with Python and Flask using the Postgres database. Everything's containerized um, using Docker for WSGI and then uh, being tested with um, PyTest. And so I do have the code um, up on uh, this GitLab repo here. And if you are curious about how to build the, this application, this, um, the code is basically the final product from this first course, this test-driven development with Python, Flask, and Docker course. So if you oh, cool. want to learn how to build the course, um, you can go through that. Um, but if you do want to figure out how to build that application, there is that course there. And I will have all of the uh, the links that we talk about in the show notes for, for um, ease, ease of um, getting to them afterwards. Yeah, and on that note, these slides are available online. You can't all here, so hopefully you're not writing down every little thing on the um, slides. They, they will be available, yes. <laughs> Don't save them from doing all the work, jeez. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, I did mention it halfway through, so <laughs> up, to, up to this point. 
Um, okay, so to set this up locally, um, find my uh, terminal here. Um, that's something that we all can see. Uh, yes, that, yes, that's visible yeah. and legible. So I'm going to push this to the side here. Uh, so to set this up locally, you're just going to run want to run this Docker compose up dash. Um, dash d dash dash build command and what this is going to do is it's going to build the images um, that come from the docker compose file and then also um, it's going to um, spin up containers so um, i'll hop into the code really quick <laughs> comments from the uh from the gallery well i already had a full page written out so uh... <laughs> i'm sorry you can get nope. your money back <laughs> don't, don't, exactly. Full, full refund at the end of the show. Right. Yeah. Um, so the uh, Docker compose file, uh, this is just a typical um, compose file that you'll see with the Flask application, but I have two different services here. I have a user's um, application, my user's um, DB application. Um, it's, I'm using just a straight Docker file here. If you hopped into the Docker file, basically downloading or extending from um, Python 3.7.4 image. Uh, adding some dependencies, setting some environment variables, installing some dependencies, and then copying over the um, application code. Um, setting up a volume here, uh, setting up, um, exposing some ports, setting some environment variables, and then it's dependent on this user's DB application, which is the uh, Postgres um, uh, database. It's a pretty, pretty basic um, Docker Compose file there. Um, so build the images and spin up the containers. Uh, after that, um, you'll then want to run these two commands. This will, um, this will apply the database schema, and this will um, apply just a basic seed to the database, and then you can run, um, or you go to this route here, and you can see um, the two users that are getting um, sent back, and surprise, surprise, they're both me. And if we, we also have a ping route here, sort of a sanity check route that just sends um, back a message upon. Uh, so, um, there's also some tests in here, so if you want to run PyTest, there's a command for that. Then I have uh, sort of the linting and the um, um, whatnot, or the black commands um, down. The linting, so flake8, black is a um, code formatter, and then isort is another sort of linter for um, dependencies that make, to make sure they're in the right order. So, you can run each of these commands um, here as well. So. That's the that's the basic application here. Um, again, it is just a basic CRUD application, so all these different um, routes um, and endpoints do work. Okay, so that's the application. That's how to run it locally. So in terms of AWS, you're going to want to have an AWS account. Um, if you do click on this link, it will take you to the free tier. So if you don't have an account, there is um, I guess there's 60 of their products that are available. Uh, they have like upwards of 300, so you're obviously not getting all the products, um, but uh, you do have a lot of uh, room to play with here. So uh, if you don't have an AWS account, you do need to sign up for one. Then you can install the AWS CLI. Um, that is just a, uh, it's a Python library, so you can just pip install that. And then you'll want to set up an IAM um, account with the following group level policies. So an IAM, uh, IAM is uh, Identity and Access Management, so that's for authentication and authorization. So who are you? What can you do? 
Uh, and so you want to set up with these two roles uh, so that you have access to uh, the EC2 um, or the ECR registry. And then you'll also need this um, EC, uh, the ECS service role here. Okay, so uh, ECR, um, again, is Elastic Container Registry, and that's an image registry. So it's similar to Docker Hub. Uh, Docker Hub, um, a lot of people are pushing images up there. Say it's akin to GitHub for your Docker images. Um, I think Docker Hub does have a private um, repo section or a private placing for private repos. Most of it is going to be public. So ECR is, com is completely private. So um, you can push images up there with all of your secrets in them and hopefully no one will find them. So that's why you'd want to use probably ECR over uh, Docker Hub. It's also integrated into the AWS ecosystem and it works directly with uh, ECS. So that's another reason why you'd probably want to use um, ECR over uh, Docker Hub. So um, from, you'll want to start by creating these two repos. So from the AWS console, you'll want to go to the ECR dashboard and create two new image repos. So for time's sake, I have already set those up. So you can see Fargate users and then the Fargate users DB. Uh, so from there, you'll want to run this command here and this will um, log you into ECR. So that way um, the AWS CLI is um, authenticated against ECR. So I head back here, run that. It should give me a login succeeded. And then um, you'll want to tag and push those images up to ECR. Uh, so you'll want to, if you're going to be doing this at home, um, you'll want to replace um, this AWS account ID with your actual account ID. So I have already built these and pushed these up. So you don't have to sit here and wait for me to do that, but I'll just go ahead and build them again. push those up again. So the first time you do this, it'll probably take two or three minutes to actually uh, push them up just because the caching is in place. So now if we hop over to the dashboard, too many tabs open already. <laughs> We up over to the dashboard here, you can see this should have been pushed 552. I'm not sure what the time actually didn't update on there. Uh, actually, maybe it, it didn't update it because there were no changes to it. So it's still using the one that I updated, uh, pushed up an hour ago. Uh, so um, yeah, those, if you, if I had made a change, actually, um, make the change to in the, in the console there and say there was it was updated so yeah you'll want to tag and push those images um, up to ecr and so now once they're on ecr we can take those images and hand them to ecs and say hey ecs run these do your thing so with ecs um, you're going to want to configure the following pieces so you have task definitions 
and you could think of them as blueprints, and those are going to be similar to your uh, Docker Compose file. You have a cluster, so that's uh, just a group of EC2 instances where the um, containers run, and services are the instantiated task definitions. So I think it's worth noting that if you're running ECS with EC2, you're going to have the same pieces. So nothing is really going to change too much on the ECS configuration side when you're running Fargate. Um, it's going to be a little bit less configuration in terms of um, EC2 because you're not going to have to configure EC2 instances because, again, Fargate does that for you. So, um, in terms of your task definitions, let's hop back over to ECS. So you can see um, the task definition piece here and the cluster piece here, and then obviously um, ECR, which is what we already looked at. So let me pop this open here. Let me split this on my screen. Okay, so for the, um, the task definitions, for the first task definition, I'm going to set up, um, so we wanna create, um, new task definition, right off the bat, you can see uh, which launch type do you want. So again, it's either gonna be EC2 or Fargate. And so as a Fargate talk, we will do Fargate. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so you wanna give this a name, so naming is hard. So let's do test driven Fargate TD. TD is for test um, task definition. Going to leave everything else for now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and set up two gigabytes of memory here and one virtual CPU. And so this is talking about a task. It's not talking about a container here. So a task, um, you think of a task as multiple containers that share a similar state. So um, most of the time, a, a task is going to probably just be a single container, but you can run a task with multiple containers if you want to. So maybe you want to have your app and you want to actually run um, Postgres in a container. Uh, you can link those together in a single task uh, so that they will run, run, run together or they will um, be spun up together. And um, those are gonna be spun up in two different containers. So I would say more often than not, a task is, there's gonna be one-to-one -one relationship between a task and a container, but that's not always gonna be the case. And for the for the task size, when you're allocating memory and CPU to your task, where where is that? Where are those numbers coming from? Is that is that from from experience? Is is that from the the size of of what you're running in the container? Yeah, that's going to be um, based on what you're running in the container. Okay. Uh, so you can you can see here you can go if you're using just one virtual CPU um, and. To be honest, I don't know what a virtual CPU is. If I had to guess, that's probably similar to a, a single core. Um, but I don't know if that's technically correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just going to be based on the application um, you know, that you're running. Well, you're on you're on the, the the phone with two old VMware pros. We can talk about vCPUs until we're blue in the face. Um, but that's, well, I guess that, I'm probably incorrect there, right? <laughs> it, well, it, it depends upon the threading. It depends upon the co-stop and co-weight. Uh, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of different variables within a vCPU, but we're not going to get into that <laughs> at all. <laughs> good, good. Um, 
So uh, from there, you want to add your containers. So I'm going to add a quick container here. So you want to give it a name. Um, so let's just do test-driven users. And then you're one of, going to want to grab uh, that image name. So if we head back over to PCR repositories here, I'm going to grab the URI here, pop, pop it in here, and then give it a um, add the uh, tag on here, and it's going to be the latest tag. That's what I believe I pushed it up as. Let me just double check that. Now, what did I do? I grabbed the uh, DB one here. So just double check that I use. Yeah, I use the latest tag. So in the in the Docker world, latest is akin to master um, on on the Git side of things. Gotcha. Uh, you almost ne never want to use uh, the latest tag. Um, because that's just what it's going to default to. Uh, so if you have multiple environments that you're pushing to, um, you know, multiple, multiple, mul you, you want to sort of like differentiate your tags by maybe like your environments. Um, so dev staging production, you may want to put in a git hash there. Uh, so that way you can tie your uh, running container back to code in case there's a issue that you need to debug in the container. So this is just a demo. So I am just uh, breaking all the rules and using the latest tag here. Uh, let's see, so got the container name, got the image name, uh, or popped over the image here. And then I'm gonna wanna expose port 5000 because that's the port that I'm using. Um, it's gonna be um, what the last application is running on. So just port 5000 there and I'm gonna go ahead and add that container. So I could add another container right now. Um, I could add the user's DB container right now and associate it to this task. Just for the sake of time, I'm just going to um, do the, um, the users for the Flask uh, application for now. So I'm gonna go ahead and create that. And I'm sorry, the uh, responsiveness of AWS is terrible, but um, I'll just make this big real quick and you can see that I do have a new um, task definition here. That's okay, so we're, next, all, we're all used to that. <laughs> so next I'm going to want to set up um, a cluster. So again, a cluster is going to be um, the logical grouping of C2 instances. So you create the cluster. Um, since I am using Fargate, I'm going to use the uh, networking only template next there, the cluster name, um, let's just do, yeah, Fargate, say Fargate demo, and then I'll create that. That is all you need to do for the cluster. Hmm. And so next, I'm gonna want to um, add a service. So I can create here for the service. Again, you have your different launch types here. You have Fargate 3C2, so I'm gonna choose Fargate. Um, this is going to be associated back to a task definition. So this is going to uh, create a new instance of that task definition. Uh, I only uh, have one revision right now because I just created it. I'm going to keep most of the defaults here for the service name. Um, so oh, quick question on that revision ID. Is that is that population of latest there in the quotes your tag or is that actually showing that that's the newest revision that it has? Um, the, 
the uh, the latter. So this is just okay. the newest revision that it has. This um, task definitions are not associated with um, the um, uh, the image that was the underlying image, but I can see how that would be confusing. But yeah, if I do have more revisions here, then it would just show like one, two, three, and then if four is latest, I'll say four, and that'll just be okay. the latest. Got it. And this is like a new UI thing. I think last year um, they didn't have the latest one on here, and it would not default to the latest. I feel like when you would configure it, so is I would you would always have to like go and find the latest one. So. That was a nice little UI UX thing that they, they put through. Hmm. Nice. I'm just going to run one task of this since it's um, just a demo. And I'm going to keep the deployment type um, rolling update uh, type here. Um, you can do, there's obviously other types of deployments that you can do. You have blue green deployments there, but I'm not going to uh, get too uh, far into that. Um, okay. So next, I'm going to want to set up um, VPC. So I'm just going to use my default VPC for now. Uh, I'm going to select just two subnets. And let's see, for the security group, I already have an existing security group set up uh, where I think all, all of the ports are going to be are exposed to this. So if you're creating a new security group, you'll definitely want to expose um, yeah, port 80, um, port tw 22, um, probably a couple other ones too, but I'm going to go ahead and just select this existing uh, security group that I've set up, save that. Um, next, you'll if this is a production application, you definitely want to add a load balance. So if, since I'm using Fargate, definitely want to use the um, uh, application load balancer. And so if you don't use a load balancer, to get a different uh, different IP every single time a new um, task is spun up, and so uh, yeah, if you want to have you know that static um, IP, then you're going to want to set up um, an application load balancer, and that will also um, allow you to set up health checks. So health checks are you know essentially I had that ping route um, that all it did was return pong. And so what a health check will do is it just um, will periodically um, ping that basically. And, you know, as long as something comes back, in this case, it would be like a 200 response. You can do other sort of health checks there. Um, but I like to just set up just a basic quick sanity check to, hey, that there, you know, there's a, a 200 response. Um, you can do other things. Maybe you hit a database and, you know, grab certain stuff out. But there, you do want to put in some sort of health check so at least the load balancer can um, test out to make sure that your application theory works if they start um, routing traffic to it. So I'm not going to set up a load balancer right now. Um, I'm not going to enable service discovery for now. I'm just gonna go right and just set this thing up just to get this running. So uh, just just for coverage sake, uh, there there was a question about security groups in the in the Q and A, um, but that the the type of question that it was 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 far beyond the scope of of uh, of, of this of this particular talk. Um, I would encourage people that do have questions about the basics of creating security groups to look at some of our older videos um, from the uh, learning how to or studying for the AWS um, Solutions Architect exam, um, and that covers security groups and the creation of EC2 and. Ad nauseum. 
well, I'm glad you didn't filter that or relay that to me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that would that would have that would have taken us down a, a, a rabbit hole that would have chewed up 10, 15 minutes. You can see that this is um, spinning up the, the task here. Now the task is running. So I'm going to grab, um, if I go into the task here, I can grab the public IP. And if all worked out, I should be able to go to this ping route. And it's not hitting the ping route. That's not working. Why is that? Was your outbound port on 5,000? Oh yeah, that's right. Or five, maybe 5,001. What's going on there? Okay, well, I guess we'll be debugging this live. All right. Sweet. Okay, so um, let me think on what possibly could be going on here. So I'll go back to my task definition and make sure everything is set up there correctly. Uh, I'm just going to create a new revision of this. Let me just double check the container is set up right. So this is grabbing Fargate users. It's grabbing the latest one, 5,000 there. Um, all that should be good. I'm getting a connection refused. Is it in the right security group? I love troubleshooting. So you, you can see here, I guess it does default to whatever it was before, but one is no longer latest because I did create a new revision of that. Ah, neat. thanks. Check and make sure this is in the right security group. Yeah, all yep. traffic is exposed, so it should be good there. Unless somebody immediately compromised it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is a live live talk though, so uh, yeah. Yeah, but Graham's not on, so we should be safe. <laughs> uh, Graham, Graham's one of our regulars. I'm a bit of a hacker. The other thing I can think of is maybe this task rule here. service again.
So it's still, you can see the task definitions here. It's still running task mm -hmm. one here, running one, two here. I'm trying to get it to spin up three right now. So should take this. Just force it to run a new task real quick. Yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Just wait. Surprised it's taking that long to spin that up. So I have a I have a dumb question. Um, when when you spin up there a container is. like that, does it? Oh yeah, there it goes. Um, does it respond to ICMP as well, or is it just going to talk on the ports that, that you've uh, provisioned in the container? It should just talk on the ports. IP address anymore. So well, I am not sure what it is. <laughs> Great. It, it worked in dev. Wait a minute. That's no, sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, see, templating network only, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I cannot think of where else this would be doing that. Well, I'm not going to sit here and debug like this. That's <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's I mean, honestly, live demos, sometimes they go great, sometimes they don't. So um, that's uh, we, we didn't we didn't sacrifice enough goats to the uh, to the demo gods today, apparently. Um, yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as the call is over, I'm gonna figure out exactly what it is. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's that's how that goes. Dadgummit. Well, I mean, if if you ever want to um, do us do another one of these, we can we can certainly. Um, uh, so we've actually done that a number of times, where where a live demo has gone awry, and then we've done a follow up uh, episode, either out of band or another with another live audience, to to cover you know the troubleshooting pieces of it. So. More, yeah. more than welcome to do something like that um, if you want to, but I mean, obviously you've got you've got more stuff to um to well actually do you have more stuff to talk about or no that's it. <laughs> What's yeah, that? I was going to talk about some next steps. Uh, cool. But, um, yeah, so um, the next thing you'd want to do is spin up that containerized Postgres service um, in in the cluster. So to do that, um, what you would essentially do um, is go back to your um, Task definition here. You want to create a new revision of it. And then you can spin up um, a new container here. 
So same sort of thing. You just call it you know, test driven dash users dash DB. Put in the um, image there, um, and uh, do do the same sort of port mapping type thing. Um, and then you would also then want to go back to the test driven users um, container and then link the two containers together. So that way, the um, test driven users, the class application, can communicate with um, Postgres. So then what you'd have is you'd have a single task. Um, inside that task, you'd have two containers running. Um, and so you'd have your Flask application and you have Postgres. Mm -hmm. So after that, you'd want to configure, uh, probably configure your load balancer um, and add health checks to the service. So again, uh, something that is going to just make sure, hey, that new container is healthy uh, before it gets put into production. And then I would recommend taking Postgres out of a container and then using RDS, which is Amazon's uh, sort of database as a service, sort of relational uh, database service that um, they have Postgres and MariaDB and you know all that all that good stuff there. So I don't like I would not I don't think it's wise to manage um, Postgres uh, in a container unless you want to deal with all the backing up and whatnot and all the fun that you have with managing a database I would just um, abstract that out to RDS you mean you don't want to put a inherently stateful uh, piece of information into an inherently unstateful <laughs> container that's so weird why would you not want to do that yeah putting putting a stateful application into a container it's meant to be ephemeral meant to spin up and down you definitely have the headaches there you have to deal with volumes and backing all that up so definitely something that I do not want to deal with. Um, <laughs> so uh, again, you can grab the code here. Um, I do have um, a further step-by-step -step process that I guess uh, fingers crossed like actually works um, in the third um, in this AWS Flask um, React course. So I do go over um, ECS plus EC2, and then I compare that to Fargate, and yeah, it, it definitely does work. So. <laughs> Cool. This demo. Very but, cool. Um, so contact info there. I got my email, uh, my personal site, mherman.org, and then um, yeah, my, my uh, Twitter um, alias handle there. Yeah, and, and I, I definitely do encourage our viewers to uh, to at to follow Mike uh, at Mike Herman dot, um, at Mike Herman on Twitter. He's uh, he's always got some uh, good some good information that he is um, sending out on the tweetosphere. Cool. All right. So I think I think we fielded a lot of the questions as we were proceeding. So uh, let me let me do a quick thing. Mr. Hughes, do you see anything in here? Um, nope. I don't see a whole lot coming on. Nope. There's there's uh, some people saying thank you and great job and appreciate the info, uh, but no additional questions. So I I believe that we are good for the evening. Awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, I definitely will spend the next 10, 15 minutes debugging this, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll have um, an answer um, to what is going on um, before the night is through. Cool. Yeah, and and if it's if it's something that again, if you if it's something that you want to do a, a quick record session for later on, we can certainly do that. Or or if it's a if it's an easy you know forehead slapping answer, then we can just tack them into the show notes and say this was this was the fix that that Mike Michael found at the end of it. So either which way, whichever you prefer. Cool. All right. 
Excellent. All right. Well, everybody, um, thank you once again for joining us once again on V Brown Bag. Um, next week, we are going to be continuing our, our Python series. Uh, we are getting towards the end of it, though, so uh, make sure you join us and ask questions and uh, get all of your Python needs done because um, we are about to wrap it up, aren't we, Mr. Hughes? It's been, it's been a long are. run, but we're finally, finally running out of things to talk about with Python. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, everybody have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you again next week.